Before we get started, are you registered to vote? Exercise your right and register to vote at vote.gov or rockthevote.org. Local elections are very important and have a direct effect on our local community. For my state of Florida, the next local elections are going to be held Tuesday, August 18th. The early voting period begins Saturday, August 8th, and it runs through August 15th. Make sure you check online for all available voting polls. The deadline for registration for this coming local election has passed. Again, local election day for Florida is Tuesday, August 18th. The general election, the presidential election, will be Tuesday, November 3rd. The registration deadline for the general election is on Monday, October 5th. The early voting period for the general election will be October 24th through October 31st. That's one week. You have one week to take advantage of that early voting period. And don't forget, folks, you can also vote by mail. For more information, check out vote.gov and rockthevote.org. Perspectives. I'm your host, Eugenio Arana. On today's show, we'll be talking to associate producer, flag football champion, and former Oklahoma State third baseman, Mariah Gerhardt. Now, we've already gotten the chance to cover her career as a softball player and as an ESPN associate producer. You can check those episodes out at thepowerculture.com, on Apple Music, or on Spotify. But for today's show, we're going to revisit with Mariah and catch up with her latest feat of athletic domination or more like total domination. In fact, since we last spoke to her, she has traveled nationally and internationally to compete in co-ed and women's flag football. That's right, flag football. She brought home a couple of championships too, by the way. Which brings me to today's topic. So, I was scrolling through my feed and ran into a post that my Alma Matters athletic program put on Instagram. The caption read, At STU, we strive to be at the forefront of providing opportunities for students. We are taking a leading role in creating athletic educational opportunities for women by starting a varsity flag football team. Flag football is one of the fastest growing sports in the state of Florida for women, and we want to make sure that we are leading in providing these new forms of collegiate competition. The time is now. We are here to hashtag plant the flag. Not only did that make me a proud alum, but it got me thinking of some new opportunities offered at colleges and universities that just weren't available when I was going to school, such as scholarships for women's flag football, scholarships for video gamers. I had a great time in college, but if I knew I could get like a full ride or have any scholarship to play video games, who knows? Things might have turned out a little different. The NFL announced on July 2nd that 15 colleges had committed to adding a women's flag football program to their athletic departments that will be ready to begin in spring 2021. COVID pending. This comes just one month after the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, the NAIA, the NFL, and Reigning Champs Experiences, RCX, came together to introduce women's flag football into college sports to begin with. According to the NAIA, the NFL is offering a $15,000 startup stipend to the first 15 schools to sign up for the inaugural season of NAIA women's flag. 
Then I ran into an article on CNN Sports titled, The Future of Football is Female, written by Coy Wire. The article quotes NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vidzen stating, We just closed out 100 years of football. This is an example of what the next 100 years of football can look like. Women's leading in the efforts, not just as fans, not just as moms supporting their boys. Now young ladies can actually compete and earn a scholarship like they have seen their brothers and their fathers do for so many years. The article interviews college football player Tony Harris. She is a defensive back for Central Methodist University, an NAIA school in Fayetteville, Missouri. According to Harris, she believes this development is much bigger than football. She said in the article, I think it says that the future of football is female. I think it says that, you know, women will now have their chance, Harris told CNN. I wish I was still in high school, able to go back and, you know, sign up and get an athletic scholarship to play flag football because not only is this opening doors for girls to compete at the collegiate level, it's opening up more doors for maybe the NFL to start a WNFL one day. I would not be competing with the guys, but I can only take what I have right now, you know. And so, I mean, it means so much to me to be able to see those girls finally get those chances that we've been wanting for so long. This is huge. And who knows what other opportunities lie ahead. And take the COVID-19 pandemic into consideration, too, because that's going to create permanent changes in every industry that's going to bring a whole new world into light. FYI, we recorded this interview at a local gym in the Metro West area in Orlando, Florida, named Achilles Art Cafe. I highly recommend the Achilles sandwich for those wondering. Delicious and loaded with pesto, salami, ham, turkey for you meat lovers out there. And of course, you must try the coffee. So I hope that when you listen to this, that you imagine yourself at a super chill cafe, having a conversation with some friends. Enjoy the ambient tunes and the sounds of your local cafe. But most importantly, let's enjoy some perspective. We're joined once again by Mariah Gerhardt. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is your second time around uh, talking with me, so thank you once again. Um, um, so what I want to get into today is, obviously we know from the first episode that you played at Oklahoma State, you're a star, you know, you're an athlete, you know, from the definition of athlete is Mariah Gerhardt. <laughs> you get your ass training every day, even if you're not playing a competitive sport, that's just who you are, it's in your DNA. So once you're done with the collegiate sport of softball. How did you get involved with flag football on a ball sports? So I was recruited to play slow pitch softball, obviously immediately when I arrived in Charlotte to By work at also. the <laughs> Yes, and when I got to Orlando. Um, but ironically, when I was playing slow pitch, then there were a couple teammates that were like, hey, do you want to play flag football with us? And I was like, there's flag football? Like, I had no idea. I had watched, you know, my teammates who were fifth-year seniors playing in intermules. But other than that, I literally didn't know anything about flag football. So, how long were you removed from uh, playing softball at this point? Only a few months. Okay. Like graduated in June, and I was playing the next month when I was in Charlotte. <laughs> and how did flag at this point, like when you first started playing, what did flag football look like? Like, take me through, like, you know, you know your games at six. What are you doing? <laughs> so when I first started, it was playing in the quote unquote C division. So that's like rec division. You know, that's everybody, probably majority, were still probably 35 plus years old playing out there, you know, just just for fun. 
you know, had a couple girls that could maybe catch the ball, but most of them catching underhanded, you know, nobody's turning their hands. Maybe somebody can throw, one person out there can throw a ball past 20 yards. Like, it wasn't that competitive. And so it was actually very difficult for me starting out because I'm coming from a very high level of competition to... High level octane uh, offense. Yes, exactly, to people just basically playing pickup with some flags on. That's what the competitive level was like. And so when I got recruited to play at a higher level, then it was like, oh, okay, this is a little bit more serious. But at the same time, it was more of just the competitiveness of seriousness. There wasn't that much else going on other than one big tournament that all of the flag teams that were competing at this higher level looked forward to. And where is this tournament? And when does it take place? That tournament was USFTO. Um, It was here in Orlando, Florida. Um, just at, actually down in Kissimmee, off of Boggy Creek Road. And for years, I mean, gosh, I don't even know when they were first established, but this had already been going on for 10, probably 15 years plus that this was the biggest tournament in flag football. And everybody looked forward to it. It was bragging rights. You know, there, there was no money involved. You know, everyone just planned to come down to Atlanta, Florida to win nationals in your division and have bragging rights for the year. That was the mecca I love of it. Pure, flag pure, pure fun. You're doing this for pure fun, you know, to get a sweat and to, you know, the maybe... Love of, the love of the game. Yeah. Everyone that had been involved, and the reason why Florida was the mecca was because it was the only place that uh, flag football was a high school sport. So you had a lot of really young kids, and honestly, you had a lot more competitive girls. Like, you had high school teams that were out there competing in this national tournament. We were one of the first few, like, adult females to be coming out there competing. Majority of the time, the women's division was just all high school girls because they were the ones that played the whole time. So now, USFTL has been dismantled. Um, It was bought out by Flag Football World Championship Tour. And now they are one of the ones that is allowing cash prizes. They have five times the divisions probably that USFTL was even offering. USFTL was in the process of growing before they dismantled to allow more divisions. Um, But it takes a very, very big team to be able to handle, obviously, 10-plus divisions and being able to schedule that in a amount of three days. And actually, this next year, they're having to expand to four days because it's gotten so big. That's, a, that's amazing. That only shows you that the sport is growing and growing and growing rapidly. And on top of that growth, Flag Football World Championship Tour is not the only tournament that is held in January now. Amazing. There is a national tournament in Vegas, and there is also going to be another national tournament here in Florida. Flag Football World Championship Tour is moving to Panama City. And the UFFL is hosting back here in Orlando, which is our original, you know, home for nationals. But there are multiple tournaments now for players to have to, quote-unquote, choose. So there's mixed feelings about it. Some people see it as the growth and the fact that there's actually competition. Good problem to have. Others see it as it could have been the opposite, where now we have multiple tournaments to compete in instead of having to choose. So it's the fact that... I like that there's a conversation because the sport is growing. There's competition on the business side and on the player side. You know, before it was just us competing basically against each other. Now there's actually businesses competing, including the AFFL. You know, also have um, Women's uh, Flag Football Network is um, a guy named Norm who decided to just try and bring more awareness to women's flag. And he's actually going to have a women's national football division like an actual league. He just announced general managers for different regions. 
that will be having teams, and it is going to be the first like professional division and league for women's flag football. Now, is this league? Do they have any affiliation with the NFL or any they other do pro not. sports? Okay, at the moment. Right, and honestly, it's kind of the same situation that happened with Team USA. He started a Team USA, part of Women's Flag Football Network, to just try and get girls to be able to travel internationally. It's very hard to get a group of girls to travel internationally consistently. So he wanted to provide that opportunity. Basically, he's in charge. Here, let me, you know, everyone still has to pay their money for the uniform. Like, it's not a sponsor. But I'm going to commit to giving you these opportunities. And half the time, that's that battle. I mean, I know as a captain with my teams, that's the hard part is on top of my job. I don't even have kids, but then you have other teams that have their captains that are moms and families that they're having to take care of, and now I have to go try and find if we can go play in Mexico or not. It's a lot. It's a lot for women, and that's why women, it's been very difficult to get our teams to be able to compete at that international level and be recognized internationally. So Norm created that opportunity of Women's Flag Football Network. So now the fact that he's also growing, he was able to take that and get more girls recognized for Team USA. And now he's trying to do the same thing now that the AFFL has announced a women's division. And American Flag Football League, for anyone who has or hasn't watched it, gave away a million dollars their first season. And they were playing against uh, former professional NFL players. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Brian they, Leftwich, right, was uh, one of the quarterbacks, I believe. Uh, who else was out there? Uh, Chad Ochocinco's out there. And there we go. Michael Vick. <laughs> there we go, there we go. You've, um, you've heard of these names before. Just a few. Um, uh, Jason Avant mm-hmm. was probably one of the star players. He was probably, in my opinion, one of the best pro players out there that converted to flag very, very well. They're not the same. They're the, there's football, right? But it's not the same sport, and you can attest to that better than anybody else. My favorite comparison is baseball to softball. We may be doing, quote-unquote, the same concept, you know, stick and ball, but there's a lot of differences, including even the ball. You've had a lot of players that come from playing college or NFL that realize they can't use that same ball and flag. It's a smaller field. Yeah, what's the difference between the ball? Well, like, a lot of, and it's mainly a quarterback thing, but even sometimes the guys, like, they like a lighter ball because you're running with it more and not protecting the ball. Like, there's no fumbles or anything like that. So some of the guys have said that they like the lighter ball because now they can move and do their hip moves and everything without having to worry about the weight of the ball. I've also had a lot of quarterbacks say, like, it's just easier to throw a lighter ball, and because you're allowed to, like, they're not... They're not confined to an NFL ball like they yeah. are, you know, obviously. Pro. Is there an official um, flag ball, or you guys are going with just a specific size? The AFFL weight? does have a specific ball that they use, which is a little different than even an NFL ball. Like, you can feel the differences. I don't know all the spectrums exactly, but you can definitely feel the difference because we practiced, practiced with one in Panama even, and I was like, wow, this is, I mean, the way that you catch it, the way that you throw it, everything, it's the same thing between, like, an arena ball even, too. So in the flag world, everybody has their own balls that they use, and obviously you try and cater to whatever your quarterback can throw best and is better with. Some quarterbacks like whatever their receivers can do with. Like in the women's game, some of the girls' teams like to use a smaller ball because if I can one-hand smaller ball, yeah, <laughs> one-handed exactly. yeah, advantage yeah, yeah. also. But some girls, like, I have a hard time sometimes with the smaller balls because I'm not used to having to enclose my hands that closely. Gotcha, gotcha, like, gotcha. I've literally sometimes not knowing, like, that the other team, like, on defense has a smaller ball. I've, like, gone up to get a pick, and the ball's gone right through my hands, like, 
like as if I was making a target for it and it's gone right between something. Like, oh my god, I had no idea it was a smaller ball. Well, like, that's how you're defending Ryan. Duh. So like little tiny differences like that. So that's kind of the uniqueness of flag, obviously. But the AFFL does have a specific ball that they use. Um, but it's that's just one of the many things that are so different about the game compared to contact and compared to um, any pro football that is happening because when not only like are you the difference between tackling and obviously pulling a flag but the strategy behind the game is what I think the pro players struggled with the very most is the strategy that it takes is not just your simple all right four across the board scheme okay cover two cover three like there's so many intricacies even between your cover two and cover three there's more responsibility on your safeties a rush genuinely matters and there's strategy even with the rest when are we going to blitz when how often are we going to use these blitzes and then what is the defense rolling into when we do those blitzes there's so much strategy in the flag game that the pro players they they earned they definitely earned the uh, flag players respect i know you had mentioned to me before that your significant other tv who also plays flag football um uh made it to the championships his team made it to the championships against these uh former pros um brian i don't know byron left was, was on that was on that team and i forget what the pros are on there but big names and these guys were Definitely athletically more superior than most of the players, but they were up against some flag football veterans. Now you didn't you didn't play in this game, but like what were your observations? I remember we were having some laughs about it. The amateurs had were competing regionally and started off with over a hundred teams. I know Fighting Cancer already had so many plays set up that they're like, oh, we're gonna do this to them and they'll have no idea. Whether it was as simple as putting a throwback in the backfield and adding a second quarterback. You know, whether it was, was on defense, we're like, guess what? They're going to try and do the same thing, and we're going to shoot the throwback, and they're not going to know what to do. So many little tiny strategies that you could see from them just playing each other. Like, they're not going to have any idea to what to do with this. So to recap, you guys were doing some secret scouting, or you guys were just, just, just there watching their game? Just you know? there watching the game like everybody else. And once again, what your observations were that they were, they were, they were, they were too bulky, they were too slow? No, honestly, it, you have... It happens, honestly, even all the time in flag, mm. where you have an athlete come out there. They're an amazing athlete, but they don't know the flag game, mm. and they will lose every single time, plain <laughs> and simple, because there's just too much strategy that can happen. Like, you will even have some of the best flag teams. Honestly, Mean Machine quarterback Chris Hughes is who I give the most props to 100%. He's your typical dad bod coach, like coaches football. You would never think that he's actually a very competitive and amazing quarterback because of the way he walks out there. He doesn't have the quote-unquote swag, you know, that most of these former NFL players are walking out there with, with their cleats and everything like that. But he will school you because he knows that game so well, and he's my perfect example of in the flag game, you cannot judge a book by its cover. Like, you're not up out there like the NFL where everyone's padded up the same, like, and you're not going to be able to tell who's who. It's the opposite in flag. Chris is that perfect example, I feel like, of that anybody can school you in, in flag. Like, you cannot judge a book by its cover. The intelligence that it takes to play flag is... The intelligence it takes to play flag is a lot higher and has more value than, I think, athleticism. Your athleticism obviously helps you. So when you have somebody that has that IQ and athleticism, my boyfriend, I feel like, is one of those perfect examples. He's been playing for years and still has the athleticism, even at a quote-unquote older age, like 30-plus, you know, is considered old in the flag game because you have so many people that can start young. But 
you can still be just as good as somebody that's in their 20s and fresh out of college because your IQ is normally what cancels that out. So the good thing about that is that, I mean, if you love football and you know the X's and O's, chances are that you can play this game of flag football, you know, and you don't have to be the most athletic, chiseled person in this planet. In fact, it might be a disadvantage. 100%. We are learning the flag game. I feel like no matter who you are and even like your background. So I feel like even if you haven't been the most athletic your entire life either, like say you don't consider yourself an athlete, there are people that I have met that have just picked up flag and because they've learned the game and they're one of the best at it, and they just started playing it, like I said, kind of how I started even, playing in the C division. My friends told me to come out here. Some of them have that story of, yeah, they just decided to come out, so they learned how to catch a ball and never, or even learned how to throw. There's some quarterbacks that are like, yeah, I just learned how to throw a football, but, you know, weren't playing in the backyard with their dad when they were eight. Wow. <laughs> and so one thing that I want to hammer on, and I know we made the distinction that you don't have to be the world's most athletic person to participate in this game but you were um, uh, you were a D1 softball player you were that was what you went to school for was to play and compete at the highest level um, what about your training in softball and your expertise in softball translated into this game um, for me obviously being able to track a ball was probably my biggest advantage especially as a girl that's one of the things that you still see is there's a lot of girls that you know can't catch a deep ball and it's because it's actually not something that is natural to be able to track a ball and have depth perception and being able to also at the same time run. It's it's something you take it for granted as a softball player probably because I've been working on it since I was six. Mm -hmm. But it is something that in the women's game specifically is very difficult. And honestly, you see some guys too. So I feel like the ability to just be able to track a ball and obviously have the athleticism and coordination to running at the same time and being able to catch it was my number one advantage as far as like setting me apart from other female players um but then obviously the hand-eye coordination um pulling a flag and catching a ball and then for me um having the knowledge and the footwork that I did at third base and from my drag bunting and the fast twitch that I worked on my entire life from getting out of the box as soon as possible were all the things that specifically for me definitely translated into rushing and why I feel like rushing, which is also a very rare thing to have good females that can do that job is because it's something that was already naturally developed for me and isn't something that is very easy to do naturally. And rushing would be, in, in for, for those who aren't familiar with the flag game, would be like a linebacker position, defensive, right? Yeah, or, I was going to say defensive end most of the time because that's for like your corner blitz, except you're the only one. Gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> you don't gotcha. have somebody coming from the other side. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so that, that's a normally perfect translation, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So um, now, I remember we talked about earlier that when you first started playing flag football, you looked around and it was some people couldn't catch, it was folks who were going out there for fun. Now that you've been sent to different states to play flag football, where did you notice that, oh, this is getting big? Like, this is not backyard football like it was when I first started. Every single year that I've competed in flag, there has been another level that I have been exposed to. Um, the game that I started out playing still exists. There's still rec leagues, you know, that are happening, and the same people, and honestly, some people that have, you know, started in the A or were traveling and doing the same level that I currently am 
have now dropped down and they just still play just to play because they love the game, but they're obviously not at that same level anymore or have the time to dedicate to that same level. So it's still happening. Now it's the experience and it's a very eye-opening experience. The more that I have been able to play, whether it's in other states, um, whether it's in other parts of the world, <laughs> like Canada is a completely different experience compared to Mexico. And then being able to go over and play in Panama. Um, right, so that's I, three different countries you just mentioned. <laughs> Canada, Mexico, and Panama, for those of you who are listening. And I've met girls from other countries, from Germany. I've now, you know, we saw India come over and play in the men's division. And seeing they came over with probably a bare minimum squad that we would consider where you have other squads like USA and Canada where we just had a preliminary roster enough for two teams. So it's crazy to see the different ways that flag can be played, but also the fact that this game is literally throughout the world. That's amazing. That's amazing. And like, I know the NFL is, for years, has been trying to take the game international, much like the NBA has. Um, um, and I don't know, but from the outside looking in, it seems as though flag is doing this faster, it seems like. The growth of this sport, I feel like, reminds me a lot of how you saw lacrosse explode. Mm-hmm. Once everyone was able to basically get access to it, then that's what allowed it to grow so much. Um, except for the fact that the equipment that is needed for it is even less. And so I feel like, and the knowledge, obviously, with the NFL and a lot more education about the dangers of contact have been known now, has been allowed allowed flag to get more exposure also because it's like well you still love football the same reason why you get so many former athletes that turn to flag it's kind of the same thing well I want my kid to play football they love it but I don't want it to be as dangerous and so now flag is getting more exposure on top of that too so where it could be you know negative for the contact game because not as many kids are wanting to play contact football it's there's an alternative. There is something else. And at the same time, like I said, for us, you've seen a lot of former players or say there's a player that's been told, like, hey, like you're not going to be able to play contact. But now this flag game is possibly still an opportunity for you to continue your football career. Amazing. Um, um, so how many championships have you won? Just tell me. <laughs> or not championships, but in the, in the, the tournaments you've competed in, nationally and international excuse me nationally and internationally what have you brought back what hardware have you brought back I'd say my biggest um, championship accomplishments in the flag game have obviously been the IFAF championship in 2018 over in Panama and um, then all of my national championships but being able to also go up to Canada and win a championship up there um, in one of their biggest tournaments um, was a lot of fun but my uh, USFTL championships probably definitely mean most because those are like I said we go back to those are just the bragging rights Um, but now being able to uh, compete for money obviously is probably the next biggest and being able to compete in that same quote unquote national championship and being able to take some cash home too then those those are my biggest ones but the IFA championship for Team USA was also the first gold medal for the USA that they've ever won so that's my biggest by far so, now that you're being sent outside of the nation to play this game, 
now there are reports that universities are opening up scholarships or giving scholarships, providing scholarships to women and students that are interested in playing this fly football game. How does that make you feel for somebody who has been playing this from the very beginning? I've played against so many young girls that have been playing since they were in high school or even before that, and now going to Mexico, being able to see how many girls have started playing flag since they were six years old, and that has been their sport. Hearing that they now have an opportunity to be able to play in college and get the same opportunity that I did for softball and basically get a scholarship to be able to play the game that they already love just was the same feeling of what I got being able to represent Team USA, I feel like. Now, these same girls that have dedicated their life and have grown a love for this sport, getting to have that opportunity like I did with softball, you can't ask for more for those kids that literally have grown up loving this sport. Like, I was able to develop a love for this sport at an older age. So now I think about the kids, like I said, especially in Mexico and in other countries, that this is their sport that they've been doing since they were little. Now you get to look for it like, wow, I can go to a college now and still be able to play my sport and get a scholarship for it. You can't ask for a more greater opportunity. And I've already met um, some girls and I've played against some girls that have scholarships already to these NAIA schools. And it's absolutely amazing to like be able to look at them and see like you you get to get, go do your thing you get to continue doing this that we get are just doing because we love it uh-huh. and get an education for it that's amazing which brings me to my next point um so you as a softball player right and again at the top of your class at the top of your you know at the top of your class right um, you, a school gave you a scholarship to go represent them on the field, and you did that for four seasons, correct? Yes. For four seasons. But there is no pro leagues after softball, correct? Uh, there, uh, softball was an Olympic sport? Yes. At that time, it uh, got taken out of the Olympics after my freshman year. Gotcha. So it got taken out of the Olympics after your freshman year. Um, um, so let's say if you were a young girl, maybe middle school age, right? And you were in, in 2020 and, you know, in a world without corona. <laughs> um, and you were considering being an athlete just like you were, you know, uh, just like you did for softball. Like, I'm just, what I want to know is if flag football was an option, would you have taken it? 100%. Like, no questions asked? No questions out. Even, I mean, like, knowing that it was, it's at its infancy. Uh, I would definitely, because of the fact that it's growing, the same way that the pro league was still growing for softball that was still like there was a possibility so the fact that softball was growing at that time still too you know even though it got taken out of the olympics there was still an opportunity to go pro and you knew even though the opportunities were limited you knew there was still a possibility so the fact honestly flag football is way more on the growth like edge and on the rise than softball was at the time that you know I committed to all right I'm getting a softball scholarship and committing to okay possibly I could play pro so the opportunities that are happening now and especially for women's flag I mean men's flag is obviously always going to get more attention just because it is men and it is faster and more competitive the same thing between the NBA and the WNBA honestly and code competition is a real thing in flag football it's common I mean you played it yourself yes so that's also another opportunity another branch another thing that I think has the potential to grow as well if you see the women's division completely take off for the American Flag Football League I think co-ed is the next step so like I said the opportunity 
for growth is so much bigger for flag right now. And so as a younger athlete, yes, 100%, especially if it's something that, okay, other sports haven't really found a niche yet. If that would be, if I was a young girl, then that would be my commitment to let me figure this game. Let me get good at this game. Let me figure this game out because you not only have an opportunity to get an education off of it, but there's a greater opportunity growing where, yes, professionally, it could actually happen. Women, 100%, it's one of those things that we always have to think twice about, like how much do we really want to invest in athletics? But the opportunity, I feel like, to be able to play flag for a longer term as a woman is a greater opportunity right now also because of the sport period like you don't have to worry about the things that the tolls that it takes on your body like as if there you know there's women tackle leagues and it's a greater toll than obviously playing flag you have more girls that are able to play longer even like guys being able to play flag so the opportunities to be able to play this sport for a longer time and possibly get paid for it are a lot greater right now um, um, now, so that was a hypothetical about what you might have done in the past. Now, in the present tense, you're an ESPN associate producer, right? You're, you're a sports associate producer. Um, um, that is synonymous with live sports, uh, with live events. Um, and, oh, do we know that right now? Um, um, so what opportunities does a new sport like Flag open up in terms of sports production, in terms of your career specifically? Um, the connections to flag I've already seen. You know, unfortunately, when the American Flag Football League was brought out, it had a contract with CBS. But I was asked to commentate. I was asked to possibly be a part of it because I was my connections to flag. So for me, obviously, being involved in a game that is growing now has created opportunity. Like, I already have knowledge of the sport and the experience so the opportunity to possibly be a part of this growth, even off of the field, for me is endless. Whether it's coaching, whether it's being in the production truck, or being in the booth, there are a lot of opportunities for me personally that I'm very proud of my connections to the game and why I'm so committed to even still playing. Because my connections to Flag as a player, they have opened. I know the endless opportunities that I have even off of the field, whether it's coaching, whether it's production, whether it's as a commentator, and that's just me personally. In this flag game, I've also seen opportunities of businesses that individuals have been able to create because of flag. One of my teammates just started her own little Yelly Vision. Shout out to Danielle Lubshaw. She was able to now, she made her own brand. My sister helped her create a logo. And she's now filming at these local tournaments that we have whenever she has her free time when she's not playing. And she's putting together highlight packages for these players. That is more opportunity as a flag player to get recognized and have your own highlights out there to get recognized by Team USA, by these professional leagues that are coming out, by the American Flag Football League that is recruiting players and recruiting teams. That's a connection resource right now where she's not just helping out individual athletes, but she's able to help herself out too. She's able $15 for a highlight video. Simple as that. That's a whole nother level of a business that can open up from the flag game. One of my other friends play, he um, has been playing the game even before me. He's moved to different cities, but everybody still reaches out to him to possibly take photos during his tournament because he has one of the best eyes I've ever seen. So he's, as a photographer, 
there are a bazillion photographers that I know that have asked to get paid to come to tournaments to take pictures and even just as a side hustle all right like I'll come to your game pay me $15 and I'll be at your game and take photos for you individually then you have a team that pays a guy like that's a whole nother business too even just photo wise as a photographer that can make off of our flag game and there's been professional photos that came out to the American Flag Football League too that were paid to be there like those are side hustles right there and endless opportunities that this flag game is creating for people even off of the field that brings so much joy to my heart <laughs> um, uh, and it shows you that if there's a good idea if people participate it opens up opportunities many opportunities and we're not just talking about the athletes we're talking about everybody involved you know it's like a whole you know brand new economy um, so one thing that I had mentioned at the top of the show um, was that the NFL has started an initiative to open up and to promote the game of women's flag, women's flag in particular. There's a story on, a story on CNN that we mentioned um, um, that stated that the NFL has uh, contributed $15,000 uh, as a stipend to the first 15 schools to sign up for the inaugural season of NAIA women's flag. Where do you see the future of this game? Do you share that vision? I definitely share the vision because of the fact that flag is able to grow so much in the women's game so now that I think creates a better opportunity for there to also be a WNFL possibly in the contact game because the contact game for women has been happening this whole time there just hasn't been able to be that direct connection because unfortunately it was always compared to the NFL it's a very hard comparison to get to and a very difficult it's already hard enough for women to match the same level that men are at you know speed wise star power wise all of that so to have that direct comparison I feel like is what made that so difficult so now if the flag game is able to get that connection the connection between women's flag and men's flag isn't as drastic as you know the contact that's made in an NFL game versus women mm-hmm. you know granted 100 I've played rugby there are some women who can hit hard out there <laughs> not knocking any of the women that probably could knock out some full-blown NFL players but unfortunately we're talking about the majority mm-hmm majority of guys just like there's few that stand out in the men's game there's still a majority that can stand out versus in women there's still the select few that stand out in this flag game there's a lot more opportunities for more women to stand out you see it directly in our co-ed game women that are able to route up a guy because there is no contact involved women that are able to run past a guy because you have more of a variety of men that are out there versus the very select athletic few that are out there. So the opportunity for women to be compared to men is a lot closer as far as competitiveness-wise and being able to succeed versus that contact game. So now, if we have the flag game that makes that correlation to be able to see, like, wow, these women can really compete out there in this sport, now more people can be drawn and see like well what can they do in the contact game now there's more of an intrigue and more people wanting to see what women can provide on the same type of field as the nfl so it's almost like a full circle that direct arrow was very large before Mm -hmm. now the flag game getting the attention kind of helps narrow that that gap that was there before and not only that, but I'm sure that makes for amazing social media moments when you see some girl moss the hell out of some <laughs> some uh, poor defensive back who thinks that, and you know. it happens. I'm telling you, How many times happens. you moss somebody? Uh, t- t- take me through the moment that you own somebody. My, my proudest moments are 
like I said, my using my speed and being able to route a guy up. <laughs> and my quarterbacks, I love them. I'll say shout out to Lefty, shout out to TB, shout out to Shaw, shout out to Fasil, who are my guys who rely on me heavily to, all right, you're isolated with a guy, and because so in co-ed, girl points are worth more. Oh, so I they know will sometimes specifically put a guy on our girls to not give up girl points. And the fact that I am still a guaranteed girl point is where hey. my quarterbacks get that confidence, and that's where I take a lot of pride in that, whether it's a guy on the outside being able to do a spin route and being able to jump in the corner because he's still standing on that front cone. I'm not the Moss type. My girl Shanika Meese and Joe Overstreet and Rebecca Crab, I have seen literally jump over guys there. They're those type of players. I'm the one that I'm going to be able to route you up and uh, run, leave you standing because you were still going for my first move. Nice. <laughs> How soon do you see flag at the world stage, you know, like the Olympics? So the next most exciting thing that actually that 2020 good news did bring for the flag football world is um, in 2022, flag football is going to be in the world games. Um, people who are this is a big as, deal, right? Yes. People who are not as familiar basically with Olympic sports may not be as familiar with the World Games. That's a very huge platform for sports that are in the Olympics. And so for flag football to be in that mix is almost like a very big stepping stone towards getting into the Olympics. And they're going to be choosing eight women's and eight men's teams to be to represent flag football and compete in the World Games in 2022 in Birmingham, Alabama. In July, nice. they just announced the dates. Um, so that is probably the biggest stepping stone that I've seen, other than us getting the IFAF recognition and being involved with USA Football. And scholarships are opening up. Yes. Um, being able to get that stepping stone towards being in the Olympics. Because hopefully, after the World Games is successful, I can see flag football getting into the Pan Am Games and then being on the next ballot for the Olympics, if not even sooner, honestly, depending on how much this genuinely grows and especially the success of the NAIA sports. Sky's the limit. Now that we've talked about the growth of the sport, um, what's being done to promote that sport? Probably the biggest thing that is currently happening right now, you know, COVID has uh, postponed a lot of things. IFAF was supposed to have championships this summer, so that was postponed. And uh, the American Flag Football League is, we're currently still waiting, but I know that because of everything COVID, they're still pending right now and having their third season. So there's been a lot that's been postponed. So one of the biggest things coming out right now that actually today, Norm Carter for the Women's Flag Football Network League just announced 13 general managers that are going to be in charge of the very first women's professional league for flag that is going to be hopefully taking place as soon as possible because of our whole COVID situation. And that's all he's trying to do is create these opportunities for women specifically, but also the growth of the sport because it'll be the first pro league, kind of like what the American Flag Football League provided for amateur players. Um, there's even a Canada market, but literally across the United States, then uh, there are general managers that will be in charge of putting together these teams to have a first women's pro league. And that is probably our biggest news in the flag football world right now, especially with so much having to get postponed because of COVID. So there's still opportunities to get involved, even though, you know, we're obviously in a time where everything is at a halt. 
Right. I mean, that's probably been, for me personally, my biggest blessing. You know, I work in sports, and our whole world has been on pause and very limited. And so I've just been able to play flag football right now. It's been an additional income, and it's been something that has been able to be played because we're outside and because there's an opportunity to still social distance and with less people on the field. And people's, um, some people are still wearing masks, obviously, when they play. Not everyone, I'll admit, but it's still an opportunity and everyone's able to still play the different divisions and we've been able to play across the country i've been to texas i've been in nashville and throughout florida i've been playing this entire time uh, now and now we're, now we're on the topic um, um how has the pandemic affected you know you're like i said once again you're a super athlete so your life whether you're playing a sport or not revolves around some extensive training hours in the gym you know uh, hours at the park you know working out and grinding how has, has this pandemic affected your daily routine so when it was announced that everything was getting canceled and my entire work world went to, came to a halt and all vacations, you know, traveling home, all the additional things that I do with my spare time, then there was actually a really big tournament that was supposed to happen in Carolina the very next month. Um, every single year, the Carolina Panthers host a four-on-four tournament, and it has co-ed, and this was actually going to be the first year that they did a women's division. So there was a lot of excitement around it, and obviously that got canceled pretty much a week after everything else had started closing down. And so once that happened, there really wasn't anything else to prepare for except for IFAF. Um, so my training actually went like narrowed down also because I was preparing for that Panthers tournament and then it was like all right there's nothing happening then shortly after the IFAF was postponed also so everything that I had been preparing for turned into nothing (laughs) I didn't know what I was preparing for and for me personally that's normally what motivates all of my training like I have something to prepare for so to have nothing prepared for there was a little bit of a lull where I was like what's the point um but then thankfully shout out to my trainer Heather um from Oklahoma State she uh started providing at home workouts because obviously the gyms had close to like I was working out at my apartment gym which is probably six feet large just in the two rooms you know I was like so there was no way that was going to be opening up anytime soon so I really didn't know what to do even for my training why would a sports was closed which is where I did all of my training before outside the sand pit etc so everything that I had used for my training was closed down so when Heather posted these workouts to do at home you know I have my sandbags at home I do have a medicine ball and I have my own ropes and so I was able to take what she was posting and still do workouts and not going to lie, they definitely got me into shape very quickly after my little lull of depression, basically, of what do I have to train for. Then I got back into shape really quickly from those. I only did even a month of it before our gyms opened up back here, but then I was still in tip-top shape to be able to compete as soon as we were able to play in our first tournament again when things started opening up. So for me, it got very interesting because I had to improv, and I found something that actually worked and helped keep me in shape and still being able to do something, so I actually was prepared as soon as we were able to start playing again. All right, so Mariah, where where can a girl is interested in your journey and she wants to follow you, where can she follow you? Raya G Hart on everything. R I A H G H A R T. Everything social media. That's my handle. Um, my Instagram is is public, so that's where I like to post majority of my 
uh, accomplishments, I guess you could say. Right now it's been all flag because there's something else going on in my life, but I post my travel stuff and everything on there too. But uh, that, that's definitely my most accurate journey log right there. <laughs> so Mariah Gerhardt, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate the time. Thank you. <laughs> Exercise your right and register to vote at vote.gov or rockthevote.org. The deadline for registration for this coming local election has passed. Again, local election day for Florida is Tuesday, August 18th. The general election, the presidential election, will be Tuesday, November 3rd. The registration deadline for the general election is on Monday, October 5th. The early voting period for the general election will be October 24th through October 31st. That's one week. You have one week to take advantage of that early voting period. And don't forget, folks, you can also vote by mail. For more information, check out vote.gov and rockthevote.org. Thank you for joining us on Perspectives. I want to thank Mariah Gerhardt once again for joining us. Follow us on all social media platforms, Apple Music and Spotify, and especially... Check us out at PowerCulture.com, where you can stream or listen to all of the perspective episodes, along with more content focusing on culture, news, music, and art. PowerCulture.com. Peace.